This is exactly right. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! dun, dun. dun. Hello, this is That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. My name is Lisa. And my name is Kara. And you know what we do here, guys. We talk about an episode of SVU, the true crime it's based on, and we have a fabulous celebrity guest. But first, we chat. And that's this part. So let's start. Yeah, well, I think um, it would be fucked up if we didn't talk about the new Miley Cyrus song. It is incredible. I did make Kara listen to it the whole way from the airport, which was a 45-minute drive. And then I woke up last night in the night and it was playing in my head, like over and over. I was like trying to go back to sleep and it was just like, like, I mean, obviously I can't sing it because Miley herself will come and sue our podcast, but um, it is a banger. It's great. It's a great song. It's a banger. I've been reading the stats. It's doing amazing. Because um, I was just watching an interview with her and she is just so cool. And we were we talking about, someone said this is a perk of Nepo Babies. Like, she doesn't actually care about a lot of this. Like, she cares about music, <laughs> art, singing. Like, she doesn't, she's so rich. Like, she released free music on SoundCloud. She's released EPs. She doesn't tour. Yeah. She doesn't want to. Like, she is on her own journey and she gets to do that, which is, I, I mean, we're so lucky. But... She was saying in an interview, she goes, I, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever top what Wrecking Ball or Party in the USA, but everyone loves you based on these things that are bigger than who you are. But she's like, but I'm just making, sh- I'm just making my music. Yeah. But I do think this might be a huge, huge hit. I really do. I think it's yeah. about to rock Well, the it's world. also like everybody loves a fucking breakup anthem. It's like an amazing breakup song. Apparently Shakira came out with a breakup song as well. Everyone's like, Shakira and Miley are starting us off 2023 with the fucking I don't need your ass anthem. I have not heard Shakira. I should hear it. But did you see the TikTok thing yes, uh, recently about the Miley video? No. So the rumor is, so first it came out on Liam Hemsworth's birthday as a fuck you. Uh huh. Second, the f- house that it is filmed at is apparently where he cheated on her with. Like he Whoa. cheated on her 14 times at this house is what TikTok is saying, which is crazy. I didn't realize there was a cheating situation. I hate him because there's red carpet moments I've seen where she's being cute and fun. And he's like, can you just behave yourself? Like he's so rude to her. Oh. And But I didn't know he cheated. And I guess this is the house. And it's just the sexiest video of all time. Wow. <laughs> I made our friends all watch it. Um, <laughs> at my house, on my YouTube, house, on my on TV. On the big TV. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's just a tidbit. I didn't think, I don't know if you knew or not. Um, no, I had no idea. That is really fun. That makes the video even better to me. (laughs) That makes it awesome. Um, I went to a party yesterday of a mutual- Why wasn't I invited, Jacob? (laughs) (laughs) It's like an inside joke. Yeah. It was a comedian- 
his birthday. It was supposed to be outside in a park. It's been fucking nonstop raining in LA. So it was inside. So we got into this house. There's obviously a mountain of shoes at the door. Like everybody's like taking their shoes off because it's disgusting outside. We go to leave and my husband, Jared, his shoes are not there. His shoes are not there. We look for his shoes everywhere. This is like full sex in the city. <laughs> like the shoes are gone. And I'm like, that's so weird. I was like, but there's still so many people there that we were like, okay, well, somebody's gonna fucking, there's gonna be a pair of shoes here at the end of the night of the person that wore Jared's shoes home. So just let us know. And so Jared has to wear home the host's Crocs, which are two and a half sizes too big. Just so funny. I'm going, walk to the car barefoot. But let's just go home and like you can wash your feet when you get home or whatever. And then the the hostess was like, wait, and like comes out with these huge Crocs. And so I loved seeing Jared and Crocs. Never seen it before. It was wild. And then we get a text like later that night that was like, these are the last shoes. They are, my husband's shoes are Navy Adidas. These shoes are a different brand. They are Royal Cobalt Blue. They're just very different looking. I'm like, what happened here? But I know immediately who did it. I go, I go, it was Steve. I'm changing the name for the purposes of this story. I go, I'm in a text thread with like three other couples and the host of the party. And I go, my money is on Steve. And I get, we get a text the next day from Steve's wife, who I'm not going to get into it, but listen. She has talked shit about her before on the podcast. (laughs) Steve's wife sends Fucking the hostess a text that goes, Steve wore the wrong shoes home from the party. Did anyone mention it? Yes, someone mentioned it. The person that didn't have any shoes to go out in the Los Angeles rain. (laughs) Did anyone mention it? I mean, are you fucking kidding? It's like people live on another planet. So today I brokered the exchange of the Crocs for the old shoes. Steve called my husband or texted my husband, didn't offer a second of an apology, not a second of it. Like a fuck, man, I don't know where my head was. I'm sorry, I put your shoes on. Just, hey, you want me to bring these over or how do you want to do this? Like just no apology. Like so wild, so wild. They, the shoes look nothing alike. I will give him that they were the same size. That's it. They're the same size shoe. Yeah, this is a wild story. And you know, when you hate someone, it continues. It's like there's a really little nice bit more. There's a little. There's a little bit more that I can tell you off mic because I just, I just can't do it on this, on this, in this uh, platform. But it's just I've been texting the story to our mutual friend in New York and a friend here, and everybody just keeps being like, "Wait, there's more." Because <laughs> like at first I forgot to tell them about the Crocs, and they were like, "Wait, you didn't mention the Crocs two hours ago?" Like no one can believe all these details of the story. Also, yeah, there's more shit talk that get, gets too specific, but Lisa, you would get it and enjoy it. But but also, was, do, do you feel like Jared might now love Crocs and want to get on the Crocs train? <laughs> no, he was like, get these out of here as soon as we got home. He's like, not a Croc. I'm not a Croc person. I like, I hate Crocs. I like philosophically hate Crocs. Um, but I know everybody says they're so comfortable. And I, please don't come for me. Well, I'm, I'm never going to wear shoes with big holes in them. So I just bought the like Dansko clog kitchen shoes. And that might be a problem for some people, but I love them so much. No, see, I am, I'm a summer camp counselor. You know, I've got girls on girls on girls wearing dance go clogs in my life. So I, that's not, like, I love those. And I think they look very cute on you. So I'm a, I'm Thank pro. you. It's because for me, um, and the fly, because you saw me with them at the airport. What I love is because if you wear sandals or like, I used to be a slides girl, 
But when you have to walk long terminals, it's annoying to be in slides yes. like that. Um, but you want the comfort of like a loose shoe on a flight. So I'm totally. glad I found... Because the Uggs make me too warm. I used to do Uggs, but they're too insulated. Like I can't wear them on a plane. Is this a stupid question? But like, are our feet like swelling up on planes? Yeah. Sometimes, okay. Because People when I'm wear the- compression socks. Like in those little stores, like right. Hudson News, they sell compression socks. Because when I'm in, I'm in the flight, like I wear usually my like Adidas lace up sneakers. And a lot of times I'm like, I'll wake up from sleeping and be like, if I don't unlace these, I feel like my shoot feet are going to burst out of them. Like it's so. Well, you're going to be shocked, but flying is so unnatural that our bodies, <laughs> my ears took days to pop. This is the first day my, I've been able to hear on a kind of normal level. Yeah. And I fly often. Like, and you're getting yeah. on a plane tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. But also it's like the drying out of the skin. The ha- like, yeah. I understand where babies are pissed. Like flying is just so unnatural. Also, supposedly, I- I've looked for like the actual science behind this and I don't know if it's there, but like you cry more easily on planes. Yeah, Like that I will cry because I think it's just like the vulnerability of your body hovering 30,000 feet in the air that you can feel like your body can feel it and is like, you could die at any second. Um, I hope no one's listening to this on a plane. You're going to be fine. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's, that was my big question. I was like, I know this is dumb, but like, are my feet expanding? Cause then they feel fine when I get back down on ground. I don't know. It's not, it's just like a wacky experience that like, I can't believe I'm just like constantly sitting in a not even comfortable chair. Well, tomorrow I'm flying Delta <laughs> One and I cannot fucking wait. Oh, wing. you're so lucky. I am so lucky. I really am happy. They treat you so nice up there. <laughs> they just treat you nice. Yeah. And I have a fantasy because usually I fly looking like honestly a swamp person, such baggy pants and sweatshirts. I'm horrified when anyone recognizes me in an airport, but I'm I'm wearing a, I'm going to wear a long dress tomorrow because they give you blankets on so, yeah. and I'm going to wear cute socks with my clogs and I'm really going to j- make a moment out of this. Wow. My mom used to make us dress up for every flight when I was a kid. Like, I remember still an outfit I used to wear was like this marigold, like mock turtleneck with like a houndstooth blazer that and like khaki. <laughs> that was like my little third grade like outfit for the plane. Like my mom was always like, pick out your plane outfit. You have to look nice on the plane. And now I'm like, Rosie, are you in spandex? Let's go. Like, <laughs> as long as it's comfortable. Well, because, you, you know, I've mentioned this to you. I don't know if on the pod, but whatever. I, I spent a lot of time on the computer, but I delve deep into um, flight attendant YouTube. And, <laughs> and um, I like, the, whatever, there were arguments in the comments and things were getting wild. But people were just like, it's a luxury. You need to dress up. People are so disgusting with your pajamas. And people are like, it's not a luxury. And it's like, it is. I think often I treat it like such a regular thing. Like some people are on their first flights, like or on sure. their first trips or never get to fly. And maybe it is a luxury, but people were getting into big fights in the comments about like, don't look like shit. And I think that might have motivated me to wear a dress tomorrow. <laughs> I was I mean, like, maybe I'm always, I should I'm step like, it up. Usually wearing sweatpants and like a sweatshirt, nothing's like dirty or like falling off of me, you know, but I like want to well, be comfortable. It depends where in the trip. If I'm going to a location, maybe I'm clean. On the way back, I can't. I can't. <laughs> can't make any promises. I can't make any. Honestly, I can make the promise that it is dirty and, um, and that I feel bad. Well, I think I, the worst was when I was leaving the Papa Roach cruise, so hungover, filled with Molly. And I was next to a woman who, 
this was years before the pandemic, had a mask on because she had a liver transplant or a kid, oh, an yeah. organ transplant. And I just could not stop like coughing. And like, <laughs> I, I was disgusting. And she just kept recoiling away from me. And I felt so bad because like, obviously, you know, she has a new organ, but- You're like, I'm not sick. I'm just like sick in the head. I'm just like hungover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just like could not stop smoking joints. Um <laughs> I, I do want to start this episode, but I thought of you yesterday. So, yes. Um, oh, I think I'm entering the era of docu-series. I want to learn some stuff. So I've okay. just been like, uh, you know, doing that for my background. And so I'm watching one. It's on Netflix. It's called well, Unwell. And it's like the inside scoop of wellness culture. So ayahuasca positives and negatives, essential oils. And there's one about breast milk. Ooh. And so, so glad this, to be thought of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because when we were in Austin, you had to keep breast pumping. Yes. And the hotel had to hold the freezer. And it, was, it is liquid gold. And so it <laughs> is like this thing. Um, and it was like the ethics of it because there's a lot. And it's, uh, you know, babies need it in the NICUs or like if there's adoption or surrogacy. But also like with um, breast milk banks, they go through testing to make sure there's no diseases, but a lot of people don't like the pasteurization, uh-huh. and they do it They do it loose off the internet, and sometimes it's great, but, and frozen, and sometimes it's like, you can get sick. Like, yeah. things change. Also, it's like, I don't know, breast milk was like for the age of the baby at that time, so like, there's different needs, whatever, and then now there's weightlifters and like, adults with cancer who want breast milk, and there was a guy who had cancer and breast milk, like, truly... Decre- he doesn't have cancer anymore, but he has to drink it. But he's on the bottom of the list. So it's like NICU babies, adoption, and then whatever's left over, they call this guy and they're like, come get your breast milk. And he like drinks it in smoothies. But the reason that was fu- like, <laughs> so one woman who sells it, she has a disease where she won't stop lactating. Like the kids still like it at two and five, but it's, she just has some sort of symptom disease where she's an over lactator. Oh my God. So the whole family, they're putting it in scrambled eggs, smoothies, the husband's drinking, all the kids. She has freezers full and then she gives it to babies. She sells it to body. There's so much breast milk, like she can't stop. (laughs) I cannot even. I know, that's why I was like, I have to tell Kara. But then not only that, and then the husband's talking. He's like, well, you know, eventually it'll have to stop, but our girls still like it and ask for it. And I don't know, it's kind of become her identity. So... (laughs) We'll see. <laughs> Just professional dairy farm animal. I mean, that's how I felt when I was breastfeeding. I say that all the time in my stand-up. I'm like, that was no. the unexpected, like, yeah. The husband said their whole family schedules are, is around the breast milk and the breastfeeding and the pumping vacation. Like, like the whole family circulates around her because she cannot stop, but also... I think is addicted to the feeling. Yes. And so it was just like really shocking. Um, and yeah. So that's going to be a hell of a ween when she stopped, when she stops finally, that's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. It's like when men retire and then they like have nothing to live for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. I I just don't, I don't know if you want that to be your whole fucking identity, you know? No, not at all. But no. also, but also, like, then one woman, she just likes to help people. So, but she's like, it actually costs me money to like buy all the packaging and everything. She's like, I have to try to make some sort of a profit. And so she did meet one weightlifter, and he was psycho, and you could tell on her face she was like, I don't want to give this man my milk, <laughs> but we're in public and there's a camera. 
Uh, but he was like, ooh, can't wait to get that booby juice. Like, it was, it was fucked. It was fucked. It was fucked. Wait, and then the guy with the um, cancer, yeah. they are saying, the doctors are like, it must be the breast milk. There's nothing else. Well, because he has the charts and he has the mat. Like, it's just like the cells went up and as soon as he started breast milk, the cells go down and he doesn't have it. But it's just one person and it's anecdotal. Yeah. It it can't be, and they can't study it because there's not like tons of breast milk everywhere and all breast milk is different. Yeah. But also it's like unethical. And there was one woman saying like, we need 8 million ounce, whatever, 8 million something to provide for all the babies that need it in all the hospitals and emergency rooms and all of that. And we're only providing in the bank six point something million. So we're already failing our nation's babies and the milk that they need. So it's like, they can't really, she's like, fuck bodybuilders, but also they can't be doing like tests on it because it's liquid gold. Sure, yeah, yeah. They don't really, it's like, um, they don't really know, like, it's just this one guy. They can't say that this will help you. Right. And a lot of people are like, this does nothing for these bodybuilders. They're mentally ill. Like, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was interesting. All right. Well, this has been an unpaid sponsorship of the docuseries on Well. So everybody go check it out. Um, speaking of checking things out, come see us in Vancouver on February 20th. If you live in Vancouver or its environs, please come see us. We're going to be at the JFL Vancouver Festival. It's going to be so awesome and fun. Um, and then, yeah, go to our, go to the Exactly Right merch shop and buy some of our shit. We've got this great cute fanny pack. My son had it slung around his shoulder this morning. It looks great on little kids too. It was so cute. He like knocked all this shit down to get to it. Oh, God. It anyway. is really cute. I love our fanny pack. Maybe I'll pack it yeah. for our trip. The um, beanie. I, is this merch beanie? I mean, it's great. We've got lots of fun stuff. Get on there. It's also in the link in our bio on Insta. But yeah, I, I also watch the Bling Ring, the real one. With yeah. Alexis and yours. And I wa- yeah. I'm watching one about mountain climbing. I'm really, I'm on, wow. I'm on a tear. <laughs> I love it. You're like, I, you're like I, while I do learn a lot from Housewives, I could probably learn a little bit more somewhere Well, on else. the weekends, you don't get any new housewives. I'm That's like- That's <laughs> true. Yeah. So finally, I was like, I guess I'll learn. I got to go inside right now and catch up to make sure I'm prepped for Tuesday. Because, well, by the time you guys see this, we will have already been on Watch What Happens Live, but we're really excited. Yeah, let's get the episode started. We've got a great one for you guys today. Okay, so today we're doing real fake news, which is way too close to our own reality. Like, I'm not, (laughs) we're not past this. We're not past Breitbart and all these, like, sites. What's the other one? What's Orion? What's the news? Oh, no. O'Reilly and, like, Hannity. No, but what's the OSHA? Not OSHA, but there's, like... Oh, OAN? OAN, that's... that's, that's, Yeah, yeah, the network, yeah. (laughs) OSHA. (laughs) (laughs) I always mess it up, but... Um, so this season 18, episode 17. Um, and I had no recollection of this episode. Like it felt like I was watching it the first time. Everything was a surprise. Yeah, some of the late teens and early 20s episodes give me that vibe, that feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, so we open on elevator doors opening. We got Benson, we got Finn, um, and she calls him Sergeant Tutuola. Okay. Uh-huh. And she's like, that wasn't so bad, right? And they have a cute little conversation about him passing his test and getting sergeants, but we know their happiness won't last too long, you know? <laughs> they never let the detective smile for more than a second. Um, but she goes, you know, we'll miss you. And, he go- and he's like, babe, I'm not going anywhere. I'm number 622 on the list to get 
like place. And Mariska looks shocked. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't say I got a perfect score. And he walks off. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. He's like, no, I passed. I just like barely did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so she chuckles a little and is like, oh, often. Um, so then in runs single mother Amanda Rollins and she apologizes for being late. And it's like, everyone just walked in. No one cares. Like the boss is like, it doesn't matter. You've also done worse and not apologized. Yeah, really? Really? How much are you are you in with a bookie right now that I think you're having a great day? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she's having a hectic morning because the babysitter didn't show up. And so now Jesse has to be with her sister. Eek. Not good. So Benson's like, don't worry. Lucy can watch her. Didn't even ask Lucy. Like, there was <laughs> yeah. not even a text. It was like, Lucy will get her. And Rollins is like, please, yes, please, please, please. And then we hear Carisi's voice off screen. And he's like, hey, uh, where has everyone been? It's just been me and the congressman for a half hour. And Benson's like, what congressman? And he explains that this guy needs to talk to Benson. And they're all skeptical of his presence. They really don't like uh, political people in their squad. Uh, Benson walks into her office to greet the man. She knows him. And he's like, I don't know if you're on the internet, but the word on the worldwide web is that I'm a customer of underage sex trafficking ring and it's being run out of a Chinese restaurant called the Coral Dragon. But he's like, this is not true, uh, but I guess facts don't matter nowadays. He calls it fake news, but people believe it. Um, he explains that he got hacked and all these people are like fall like falling into conclusions. What's the saying? Jumping. Jumping to conclusions. Jumping. <laughs> Not falling, not falling. <laughs> These people are absolutely nosediving into conclusions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, from the emails. And Benson's like, listen, I know all about this. The NYPD has also been hacked. Modern times, modern problems. But he's like, well, it's not just about the hacking. The restaurant owner is receiving threats. And if they can please send someone down there to prove there are no sex slaves in the basement. And Benson's like, sure, but are they going to believe it? And he's like, well, one hopes the NYPD is still a trusted institution. And it's like, L-O-L. <laughs> like, I don't think the NYPD has been a trusted institution since I've learned about the NYPD. Well, let me get to the real thing. And there's some NYPD stuff in there. Okay, cool. Because I am, it's like the stop and frisk, I feel like. Yeah. Fucked with their credibility. Like, they've just always been so corrupt. And there was someone running for mayor or something that wanted to hold cops accountable and the cops all, like, went on strike and went crazy. There's just, like, I don't know. I just feel like the existence of them has always not been respected in any way, unless you're from Staten Island. <laughs> um, but whatever. She's like, it's nice to think so. And then he gets a little sassy and is like, well, you investigate alleged sex crimes, so this is an alleged sex crime. So get down there, bitch. Um, so we're at the Coral Dragon on Mott Street. And Carisi and Finn um, are walking and they're pumped. They're like, I'm going to get General Sows. Rollin wants <laughs> sesame noodles. And um, Carisi's like, I hope tomorrow we can investigate Italian. What are your go-to Chinese um, orders? Chinese food. What do you like? What do I get for Chinese food? Yeah. Well, when I ate chi when I ate as a child, I loved beef and broccoli. Now I don't eat meat, of course. I do like fried rice. Um, I like, I don't know. I don't get Chinese that much. I get like Vietnamese and Taiwanese and like other kind of Asian foods more because they have more vegetarian options. 
Yeah, I'm a sesame and orange chicken gal. But I do, I, I like it. sesame noodles. I do like sesame noodles too. I won't like, I won't kick Chinese food out of bed. I just don't go, I don't seek it out a lot. Yeah, I want lo mein. I love it with like friends where it's like, there's lo mein, there's fried rice, there's yeah, sesame, yeah, yeah. there's like We're all, all taking a little bit. And I like, I like a lot of like spring rolls, egg rolls, the, the, the appetizer stuff. If somebody makes like a dumpling or a gyoza that has, that's vegetarian, I love that. You know, hard to find. Well, you know, Panda <laughs> Express now has orange chicken that's impossible meat. I saw. Do I try? I've never been to a Panda Express. I actually had Panda Express this week. It's really <laughs> good. It's really good. Like, I'm sorry. I would try fake orange chicken. Everyone shits on it, but like, I didn't have diarrhea. It made me feel fine. I was not <laughs> sick and it is delicious. I don't know. I love Panda Express, I think. Great. Um, okay, so enough about Chinese food, but I was interested um, interested because I, you know, it's usually known for the chicken. So I was wondering what yeah, you got Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I loved, when I was a kid, beef and broccoli was my order. I loved like just broccoli. I love Chinese food broccoli so much. I know that's crazy. No, broccoli's just not for me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I'm, I don't I'm not respect it. So... <laughs> They walk in and they talk to Mr. Lee, the owner, who was warned by the congressman that they were coming. And he's so happy that they're there. He's like, thank you so much. Me and my employees are receiving death threats. And while they're chatting, um, like all, you know, about the basement and they're about to head down to like whatever basement, a lunatic January 6th looking motherfucker barges in with a giant gun. People start to scream. And he's like, where are the girls in the basement that are for sale? And he yells and ever, you know, like everyone stay calm. I'm just here to help the girls. And it's like, you have a fur-lined hood, a camo hat, and a gun. We're nervous, okay? Like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> no one's calm. <laughs> yeah, he walks in with a giant rifle and is like, everyone, chill out. Like, yeah, no, of course we're nervous. <laughs> like, of course we're not safe. Um, but he keeps pleading to see the women. And Carisi's like, chill. And the guy's like, mind your business. And Carisi goes, I'm a fucking cop. This is my business. And he's like, great. You can help me self-investigate. And they're like, yeah, but you got to put your gun down, you fucking dingbat. Um, <laughs> then he shoots a warning shot into a light fixture above his head that breaks and it falls down. And then Finn's had enough. So he puts a gun to his head. Carisi whips out a gun and goes, put your fucking gun down and get on your knees, which I'm sure a lot of people got, you know, turned on hearing that one. <laughs> And he obliges, tense music plays, and we're at the credits. Done, done. So we're back, and a uniformed uh, cops are cleaning up the crime scene while the owner is talking to Carisi and Finn and is like, what the fuck? Like, who's going to want to eat here now? You know, our sesame chicken is not that good for, like, <laughs> for, uh, you know, rifle To risk men. your life. Yeah. <laughs> Carisi's like, well, we'll send some security and hopefully it's a one-time event. And I guess no time has passed from the cleanup, whatever. The Neanderthal is still there getting pulled out in handcuffs with his puffy coat on. And he's screaming, why are you talking to him? Like he's the normal one. And Finn screams, why don't you shut up? <laughs> And the hillbilly pleads, tell him to show you the basement. Finn is like, fine. And turns and asks Mr. Lee, where's the basement where you keep your teenage sex slave? And he's like, no, there, like, 
I don't have a basement. And the guy's like, I looked at the floor plans. Just go through that door. And Mr. Lee's like, fine. You want to see what's behind the door? And then opens it and it's a full-blown mop closet. And Finn holds a mop and goes, is this your teen sex slave, you idiot? And and he's like, the back wall opens up and Finn is hitting it. It's solid concrete. And they just drag his ass out. But like, he's still not going to buy it, even though he saw it with his own eyes. These people are in a cult. They are... Unwell. Um, We're now back at the precinct with, um, you know, the girls and Finn and everyone. And they're talking about how this place does not even have a basement. And Rollins like, well, that's unusual for New York, right? And Benson's like, yeah, sure. But this does rule out a sex basement dungeon, right? And Rollins is like, no, I'm online and the internet is not letting up on this. And Benson's leaning in with her glasses falling down to the tip of her nose, indicating she is listening. (laughs) Rollins... Rollins is saying the internet says that the cops didn't look hard enough to find the basement. (laughs) And it's like, oh, this is so frustrating because it's just so real. Like, I, all of these crimes are real, but like, it's just when nothing is going on in your life, you just have to invent that, like, there's this Jack Ryan level, like, conspiracy going on where you knock three times to make a door open up. You have to, like, invent excitement. I know, but then when, there is real child abuse. These people don't care. Right. So that's what I'm confused about. Like, what's up with the coral dragon that pisses you off so much, but not Matt Gates? Yeah. I don't know. I They just don't care when it's the Catholic Church. Why aren't they attacking the Catholic right. Church? Like, right. they don't actually care. So I'm just curious what their true motivation is. It's like, just to get Biden out? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I think because like the the other things are proven, so there's no excitement to them. It's not about the kids. It's about like the like what, this fake little fantasy they're coming up with, you know? Oh, like they're and, the detectives that yeah, know they're, they're they're figuring it out, and like only they have the key to like uncrack these codes and decode these emails. I mean, we'll see when we get into like the real thing, but like it's exactly this. I mean, I'm gonna be basically telling the same story over again, but go on. <laughs> no, but this reminds me there was like a comment about um, QAnon where this woman was like, I've never felt smart in my life in any group. And then I met QAnon people and finally (laughs) people understood my genius and who I am. And it's like, yeah, these are dumb people that are encouraging each other to think that they're smart. Yeah. And when people are just like, I've done the research, I'm like, just because you're reading a thing in front of you does not mean you've done any kind of real research. <laughs> like, I know there's a comic I hate and I would always argue with him at the cellar and he'd be like, you don't even know what you're talking about. And it's like, do you think you've unlocked more articles than me? <laughs> like, what are you reading in the world that you think you're that much smarter and more informed than us? Like, you, uh, what you're going to the library and doing like academic journals? You're not. Yeah, are you on microfeed? Are you on microfiche checking out articles from like the early 70s? Like, fuck off. No, it was always Andrew Schultz just being like, you, uh, I've read, and it's like, yeah, we all read the newspaper. You fucking, I hate him so much. Um, so anyways, we're in the basement. Who believes this stuff? And Carisi's like, the people are going to believe whatever they want to believe. Hello, Jesus Christ. Um, and Benson's like, but there's such a thing as reality. So like, who's putting this shit out here? Um, and it's a website called theendlesstruth.com. And it's a um, and the guy with the rifle, Malcolm Barnstable, has been posting a lot of comments. So Finn and Rollins, the dynamic duo who we barely deserve, 
um, head over to the apartment of Ronald Duca, the so-called headquarters for the Endless Truth, which is actually just his apartment. And this is so telling and smart. And I like love SVU <laughs> so much. And he's like, it's all it takes. All I need is just this computer right here. No other employees. All it takes is one man uh, to become as big as any organ of the mainstream media. And they're like, yeah, uh, the mainstream media doesn't spread lies about a sex ring that doesn't exist. And Ron is like, they're not lies. I had his emails. And Rollins is like, well, okay, the worst thing I saw in the emails is that he got a few rounds of golf from a lobbyist. And he's like, no, my readers took a closer look. Um, and it's all nonsense, but they're going through these emails and they're putting, they're like, 4 p.m., who eats dinner at 4? <laughs> and they said, like, Chinese broccoli CB means actually child bride. And they're like, but are you sure it can't mean broccoli? <laughs> For me, it does. I fucking love Chinese broccoli. <laughs> and then, um, like, I guess the dragon on the restaurants, uh, like a heart shape and Rollins is rubbing her head like, what? And Ron's like, you don't even know. Aren't you the police? The butterfly with heart shaped wings actually means child lover on the dark web. <sighs> That's yeah, that's another thing about these people. They're smarter than the doctors, they're smarter than the cops, they're smarter than everybody. <sighs> the coral dragon is advertising what's going down and no one cares. And Rollins is like, okay, listen, how much money do you make on ads when the nut jobs believe this bullshit? And he's like, I'm entitled to make a living and I'm providing a public service. Well, so then they're like, well, one of your wacko fans walked into the restaurant with a gun and someone could have gotten hurt. And Rollins with the shade is like, um, this is dangerous. Can't you just talk about Bigfoot or something? UFOs? And Ron goes into the classic, free speech, free speech. You can't make me stop. You should be at the Coral Dragon. And I want to slit his throat. And Finn is like, we were there. There is nothing there. And Ron scoffs and is like, well, have you seen this list? What about the Varsity Restaurant Supplies owner, Ronald Fleming? And it's strange that they have two Ronalds in this. They That's like... Yeah. I remember like... Ron Duca, Ronald Duca, Ronald Fleming. Yeah, because I remember like um, early like screenwriting, like advice is always like, don't give characters similar names or similar names starting with the same yeah. letter. So there's never any confusion. And so I just thought that was so strange. There were two Ronalds as guest stars. It is stars. very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically this Fleming guy was arrested by the NYPD and convicted of sex with a child. Mic drop, aka rape. Um, and he's like, you think that's a coincidence? And Rollins is like, well, so if we prove that it is, is that enough for your whole fairy tale to go away? And he goes, I'm a reasonable man. So Rollins grabs the paper and says, great. And then the detectives leave and we're left on this guy's face and there's a wine, <laughs> a wine rack in his, <laughs> in the back corner of his apartment. So he is a wino. <laughs> um, so now we're off to the restaurant depot and there is Mr. Fleming... Kara, would you like who, to say something? Well, you guys may know, may or may not know because this man has been on, this is my friend Kevin Carolyn. He has been on SVU before. In fact, we just did an episode. He was on very recently, Zebras. He's the one roller rollerblading with his daughter and is like, whoa, and rollerblades right into um, a bush where he finds the dead body at the very beginning of Zebra. So he has worked his way up. He was a cop in the first episode he ever did with like one line. Then he's rollerblading body finder. And now- here we are, a main player of today's episode. So I'm excited to see him. He's my old pal from comedy and improv in New York. 
And he's telling the detectives that he sold um, the restaurant dishes and cutlery, but he lost the account more than 10 years ago because Mr. Lee went with his cousin in Queens. Nepo, baby. (laughs) And then the guy says, the Chinese like to stick together. And Rollins and Finn don't respond. And there's like a few seconds of silence. And I really enjoyed (laughs) it. And then he asks if um, they're there because of the crap on the internet. And they're like, yeah, we're trying to shut them down. And you're actually a part of it. Um, They're like the invest, you know, their evidence. And they bring up his conviction. And he turns around and he's like, yes, it was statutory rape 30 years ago. He was 25. She was 15. And Rollins goes, yep, that's a sex crime. All the statutory (laughs) guys always are like, well, it was statutory. It's this. And it's like, yep, still a crime. Still a crime. (laughs) You didn't, you know, pee. Uh, in the street. It's not a, it's not a whoopsie daisy. And that's the only sex crime that I forgive is pissing outside. Peeing in the street. Yeah. Cause I done it, baby. (laughs) As someone that's like, um, has like a bladder issue. I don't know. I, I, I think you should be able to pee in the street if you want. Um, but I guess we're living in a society anyway. So he's like, yeah, the judge made... So Rollins is like, that's a crime. And he goes, yeah, the judge made that very clear when he sent me to jail, Rollins. Uh, <laughs> I like love it. It's so funny. And he went upstate for four years. But now he's married with kids and he's never met a congressman. He hasn't been in the restaurant since he lost the account. And that's that. So we cut to CNN News um, on a TV screen outside the restaurant. And Benson is doing a press conference about the shooting that took place there. Malcolm is being charged with menacing and criminal possession of a weapon and criminal mischief. And the NYPD has investigated the alleged illegal activity, and it's not true. And they pull off the TV, and it's Benson watching with the congressman in the precinct with all the rest of the detectives. And the congressman is like, thanks, gang. Do you think um, the rub site like, will stop now? And Rollins is like, I don't think so. <laughs> you obviously don't know how the internet works. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like, he's making too much cash off this. So he leaves and Carisi's like, so can we go back to solving actual sex crimes, please? And Rollins is like, well, there's no shortage of those. And um, as she's surfing the endless truth, one of the readers found a real sex traffic ring on the dark web while trying to do their research. So she turns the computer screen to the crew and it's a pink website with bubble letters saying new girls and a really sad looking young girl in an orange tank top. And the words say fresh off the boat. So not good. Yeah. And then the caption said foreboding music plays. So whatever that means to you, that's foreboding. Is that how you Mm -hmm. say it? Yeah. All right. Do you know? Uh, yeah. It. So that's the music. So I I really love the way the captions describe noises. I'm like, I love oh, it. Oh, I have a good one coming up later. <laughs> so um, so they're like, okay, we'll send the photo to Nick Mick and computer crimes. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So we're at one police plaza and it is 420. April 20th, take a hit. Yes, so, baby. They ask the computer scientist what's up and like, where is this happening? And she's like, it could be across the street or Romania. The, it's secret. And Finn is like, but it's English. And she goes, yeah, that's the common language for perverts worldwide. Like <laughs> The international language of perverts is English. We won. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's like, but it's a US phone number. And she's like, yep, yeah, it's a burner set. Like, it's kind of the way Rollins treats Melinda and we kind of hate it. Where it's like, no, the... <laughs> The computer scientist did everything. Like, <laughs> but 
then she might not just be doing her job because then he's like, can we just please um, try everything and like start with the pimp and go backwards? And she's like, yeah, no, they go through great lengths to keep things private. And finally, Finn is like, they can't all be geniuses, okay? Can we just please try this? (laughs) There's got to be one dummy pervert who like doesn't have good security. So she's finally like, fine. Very not Melinda. Like, um, click, click, beep, beep. And most messages from John's disappear into the ether, but oh my God, one is staying. They found a dummy and it's 88th Street and the name is Bolton. That's Luke Bolton. That's the congressman. Then Creasy and Finn look confused at each other and and the email says that he sent in an order for a little girl. And so that means the endless truth was correct. So they rushed to his house and he has this giant library room and he's yelling to Benson and Rollins that he's never seen this in his life. And they're like, we're going to take your computer. And he screams like, I have teenage daughters. And I don't know when men will stop saying this bullshit. Like all criminals have moms, sisters, aunts, daughters. Stop. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> Your proximity to women does not make you less of a criminal. But um, they do grab the computer and he's like, this is a hack. It has to be a hack. Um, he says like, you know, I'm I'm for this bill that's going to give Kosovo funding and the Serbians are mad. And Rollins is like, you think the Serbian secret police did this? And he's like, well, I also support Kurds. Maybe it's the Turks and the girls are skeptical. And he's like, China, Russia. (laughs) But then he brings up a really good point. He's like, you think I'd be dumb enough to ask you to open an investigation that would lead straight back to me? And Benson's like, probably not, but we've seen a lot. And so now we're back in the squad room. Rollins hangs up the phone and Bolton's hard drive was full of child pornography and messages about teens. But he shared his schedule and he was out of town in D.C see when every one of those messages was sent out from New York. So Benson's like, this is strange. Like out of all of the shielded creeps worldwide, this is the only one that wasn't. And Creasy's like, okay, so let's say it's planted. But Rollins is like, yeah, but it's real. These girls are real. We have to find these girls and try to like save the girls. So they trace the messages and the pics, like where they're coming from and like who is trying to frame Bolton. So we have to find out the spies or whoever found this. Um, And sadly, we have to start with Duca, the fake news leader to see um, what information he has. And he's like, just go after Bolton and the restaurant. Like, what are you doing here? And Rollins is like, yeah, yeah, but we need to know who sent you Bolton's hacked emails. He asks why, and they explain that it could lead them to an actual prostitution ring. And he's like, finally, that's what I've been telling you. And Rollins' fuse is so short. And she's like, bitch, an actual one. And he says, forget it. And I don't know, like, and this is is the same thing. Like, they're finally actually investigating real like sex rings and they're not helpful. Like these guys actually do not care about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, uh, so then Rollins is like, listen, so you probably don't mind us looking at your computer. And he goes, oh, I absolutely mind. And Finn's like, yeah, that's what we thought. We have a subpoena. Ugh. I love this. Love it. So now we're in court and Duke is fighting the subpoena and repping himself in court. And Creasy and Rollins are in the stands talking shit. They're like, you know what they say. Anybody that represents themselves has a fool for a client. (laughs) And Benson is like, nah, he's more dangerous than that. And so let's see what happens. He goes back and forth with ADA Rose Callier. I don't know, whatever. Uh, But it's played by Tabitha Holbert and she's in eight episodes of SVU playing this character. And he wants them to... um, not go into the computer 
can. He's like, my sources are important. And she's like, babe, you're barely a journalist. Like, and he's like, I'm protecting people. And the violin music is getting very loud. What will the judge do? Um, and then the ADA is kind of incredible or the DA, whatever. And she quotes a case from the past and kind of kills it. And the bottom line is young girls are being exploited as we speak and his data will help us find them. The judge agrees. The subpoena stands. Duca turns around and stares at the detectives very menacing-like. Benson walks out and is like, get the computer to get analyzed ASAP. And Creasy's like, I'm on it. He runs off. Duca turns the corner to come yell at Rollins and Benson and is like, this is not over. You fucked with the wrong journalist. He is so pissed and they're having a little like pissing contest back and forth. And Benson's like, please go home, Mr. Duca. And he's like, you might have my hard drive, but not my brain or website. And they're like, okay. And he's like, well, I have 2 million unique visitors a day and they all believe whatever I tell them to believe. So you just admitted you're a liar and you do this for money. Mm -hmm. So then Rollins and Benson stand around to gossip and Rollins is like, do you think he actually believes his own hype that he's like a watchdog for the people? And Benson's like, no, I actually don't think he believes in anything at all. So everyone's back at the squad room and they're mostly chilling until Computer Crimes comes back with something and Finn's like, okay, so what now? Benson goes, we need to find the ring like a different way. The way we usually do it. Let's run photos through facial recognition, cross-reference with missing persons, follow up with Nick cultivate sources, see if we can flip anyone that knows something or is involved. And then Carisi fills Benson in that, uh-oh, the Endless Truth posted new accusations against two Benson and Rollins. Done, done. Damn. There are photos of Benson and Rollins with their kids, and the photos were taken yesterday. And the headline says, How to Explain SVU Cover-Up of Coral Dragon Sex Ring. And basically, it's um, an article shitting on their fatherless babies. <laughs> and says that their babies are flesh payoffs from sex rings to look the other way. Finn gets pissed and is like, that guy needs the, his computer shoved down his throat. P Benson makes a very, very angry face. Now it's Lucy and she's taking the babies to her mom's house. So I guess her mom's on call at all times as well. Yeah. Just a couple of women that are always available. Lucy's family belongs to Olivia Benson. Um, and so the mom lives in New Jersey. Um, and so Lucy has a car. Wow. Benson pays her well. <laughs> yeah, really. And um, and she goes, oh, no, no worries. <laughs> and they say bye to their babies. And baby Noah is really cute and says bye. Um, and now the babies are gone, so let's fucking go. Um, the crew's in the squad room, and Carisi's like, um, we're getting a lot of threats against you two. And Benson's like, arrest the son of a bitch who runs this. And Finn goes, for what? And she goes, for breathing. So now we're in the interrogation room, and Benson's hanging on, like, the window gates. She's so pissed. And Carisi's sitting with the scumbag and the charge is for the photos and they count as felony stalking and he's like I didn't take the pics the readers did and he's like yeah but you encourage them and so we're gonna charge you with kidnapping too and uh, they've gone a little nuts I would say but Duke is like I didn't stalk or kidnap anybody um, he's so smug and he's like I just made an observation that you guys are sucking at an investi and investigating a sex ring that enslaves children and it's like where do you get off the amount of people this unit has saved and they're investigating Investigating the sex ring. They are investigating it right now, and you wouldn't help them with your computer. This episode is so enraging. And Carisi asks, Do you even believe in anything you're saying right now? And he goes really low and he says, Well, you clearly have no interest in solving this case because we should be testing those babies' DNA to see where they came from. 
So Benson flies at him and leans into him with her palms on the table and like gets really into his face. And while this is all happening, Rollins and Finn are watching in the spy room and are like, oh, she's going to rip his head off. And Rollins is like, well, if she doesn't, I fucking will. And he's like, why don't you go investigate the restaurant with all the evidence I have? And what about this Ron Fleming guy? You're wasting your time with empty threats against me. And Benson goes, they're not empty. And Carisi cuts in to say, listen to me. If you really want to help kids that are victimized, then send us who sent you those hacked emails. He said, I don't know. But I do know that young sex slaves get pregnant and have babies that their bosses don't want. And you're a single woman without a child who suddenly gets a mystery baby. And Benson stands up over him and says, there's no mystery. That baby is my son. And then Finn interrupts and lives like, no. And he's like, come on. And she goes, no. And he's like, please. And she does not want to leave this invest like this room. Um, but she does get out and she's pissed that they took her out. But Rollins is like, we found a ton of stuff on the son of a bitch's hard drive. And they found the person who's been sending Duke of the hacked emails. And they have him at custody at 1PP. And she's like, oh my God, you're kidding me. They have him. And they've actually been tracking this kid for months because he is a badass hacker. So let's go talk to him. It's May 1st. It's um, the longest time span of any episode ever. I'm going to go out on a limb. Like <laughs> usually it's from like arrest to court within two weeks. And we're still we're still here like 11 days later. Um and so we meet the guy and he's um, in an aquamarine tiled holding room with a little bed and windows. And they're like, you're going down, bitch. Child porn is a serious charge. And you're looking at at least 10 years. And if you have info, you better start talking now because these are federal charges. The man is like, oh, I didn't look at any of those pictures. I'm not a perv. Um, but he does admit that he planted them on Boltman's computer because it was a job and he was getting paid to do it and he doesn't know by who. And they found um, they found him on the dark net and they wanted him to hack the emails and then send them to this endless truth Duca guy. And then the restaurant connection wasn't strong enough, but they wanted to tie, like they needed to tie someone to an actual kitty trafficking ring. Um, and they're like, yeah, but like, where did you find the site with the real girls? And he says, on, on Endless Truth. And they're like, what do you mean? And he explains that there were lots of posts about this guy who used to work for the restaurant. So he hacked his shit too. And that's where he found the website to the child sex trafficking site link. And the guy is the real pervert, not him. And I believe this hacker. And who is working for the restaurant and on the internet, it's fucking Fleming, the restaurant depot man. My friend. <laughs> so we cut to him talking to Carisi, Rollins, and a bunch of uniformed cops at his job. And they're like, and he's like, I told you I haven't been at the Coral Dragon in a decade and I serve my time. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what this is about. Um, and if that's really the truth, you have nothing to worry about, right? Is that your computer? And he goes, yeah, so. And then it fades to black. <laughs> so we open back up on a laptop screen with the photos we've been seeing throughout the episode of like, you know, the the young girls. And it's his computer and his browsing history. And Fleming goes, I was only looking. And Benson goes, great, a confession. Illegal child pornography. And Rollin adds, um, and we know you were doing more than just looking. We found messages to the pimp ordering up girls twice in the last month. Um, so it's not in your past, is it? sir. He says he can't help himself. He starts crying. Great acting. He says it's really gonna fuck up his wife. And Benson's like, it's too late to think about that. 
he says he can't go back to jail. What about his business, his children, yada, yada. And Benson's like, maybe we'll put a good word for you in the DA, but you have to do something for us. So undercover mama. Mm -hmm. So we're at the supply place and Rollins and Carisi are in a car and Benson is in another car and they have walkies and are chatting. And he made a call for the girl about an hour ago. So they should be getting there soon in a black car. And Finn is inside and Fleming, who's drinking some cheap scotch. Um, I can't believe they allowed him to drink. That's like very strange to me. Mm -hmm. um, but Finn is on the walkie and um, he's telling everyone the unis checked the place and it's clean. And then Rollins is thinking what I'm thinking. Like, is it a good idea for him to be drinking? And Finn is so funny. He goes, well, it stopped him from crying. <laughs> <laughs> Doing what I can here. It. I just love it. I just love Finn, like, sitting next to him crying and then being like, just just drink. Like, I can't yeah. handle this anymore. And Fleming is like, why do you even need me? And Finn says, shut up. So then Carisi walkies a question as well. Where do they take the girls once they're here? And Finn says there's a couch in the back room of his supply warehouse. And they're like, wow, this guy is first class all the way. Benson hears this on her walkie and shakes her head in her car. And Carisi tells Rollins, ugh, prison is going to be a step up for this guy. Okay, so a car is pulling up and they're not going to move until she's inside and he offers her money for sex. And we're back inside and Fleming's like, I'm going to grab another drink. And he walks to the cabinet. Um, they cut back out side where they all have their eyes on the car. And while the driver was opening the door for the young girl to get out, they hear a gunshot type noise and they shut the car door and it cuts to Benson on the walkie asking, what was that? Um, and so basically the fool just tried to shoot himself. Finn radio's over. He did fail and now he's on the floor squealing. <laughs> <laughs> so while outside, the tires are squealing. A lot of squealing in this episode. And um, they're trying to get away. And Rollins is like, you ain't going anywhere. So it's car chase time. And then all units are pursuing a black Mazda. And it's just funny that it's a Mazda. Um, and so he has nowhere to go. He is surrounded. Benson approaches, gun up, turn off the car, get out of the car with your hands up. He does follow directions. Uh, Creasy cuffs him. And then Benson grabs the girl and is like, you're safe now. Don't worry. They arrest the driver for sex trafficking. And he's like, wait, what? Uh, sex trafficking and Rollins is like, yeah, where are the other girls? He's like, what girls? I'm a car service driver, he screams. Um, this is just a fair. She owes me $11. Not a lot of money. Cheap-ass car service. Can I get the number, please, for New yeah. York? Benson yells um, to get him to the squad as she puts the scared young girl in another car while Carisi shoves this man out of there. Um, he's wearing a red fleece vest, which I feel is a very interesting choice for a sex trafficker. <laughs> um, right? Like, it, she just stopped in at Old Navy. Uh, <laughs> Um, so he explains in the investigation room that she's just a fair. Um, so he just goes, she's just a fair man. And he's like, I didn't know what she was up to. And Creasy goes, well, you're looking at 20 years. And Rollins is in the spy window and she's in the middle of the two spy windows. So she's going from the bad guy one to the good guy one, where Mariska is with Mari Marianne from S Salvador. Benson asks what she was doing there tonight. She's obviously working for Jerry. He's the boss and he makes them do the sex. Creasy Casey asks, fine, um, you just pick her up. Where? He responds in Queens by Astoria Park. No address. She was on the street on Dittmar's. And then Creasy asks if he's seen her before tonight. And he says, I don't know, maybe. Weird question. He says, I drive a lot of people. And back to the girl who says she gives the drivers the info and he takes her to the address and she does sex while he waits. And then he takes her back. And Benson asks this driver, has he driven you before? And he says, yes, many times before, all the time. So back to, uh, so back to the man, Creasy, 
she's like, so who calls to pick them up? And he's like, I don't know, some guy. I figured maybe her father. Creasy's like, you did not think it was the father. Give me the fucking name. Tell me the truth. And he's like, I don't know if I've seen her before. They We obviously know he's lying. It's like a lot of back and forth. Rollins cannot take this anymore. So she busts into the room and he, she's like, the girl is talking. He drives her all the time, $50 a pop. He waits um, a half hour and then he takes her back. So finally he starts talking and he's like, fine, okay, maybe I suspected something, but like, you know, I I don't know. Um, I swear. And Benson's trying to find out where the girl is with the other girls that pick them, you know, that they get picked up. So they all came to America for work, not for sex. And she takes a deep breath or four other girls, um, but she sadly doesn't know where the house is. And she's like really sad that she can't help the investigation more. And the guy knows nothing either, like who Jerry is or where the house is. They both know nothing. And it's like, yeah, it's a secret sex ring, duh. Um, Benson asks if the house is close to the pickup spot where the driver um, gets her. And she's like, yeah, 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 close, like a five minute drive. So they're doing the classic, like, do you recognize these buildings? Any addresses, this fight? And she mentions a firehouse, but doesn't know the number or anything. So they're like, it's okay, babe. We'll figure this out. So Creasy, Rollins, Benson meet in the middle area to discuss what's up. And Rollins does believe the guy that he doesn't know much. And Benson's like, yeah. And the girl is really scared. So Finn walks in and they ask how Fleming is doing. And he's like, well, he'll live. The bullet just grazed his head. He, um... He like Finn thought he was just grabbing another drink, but he had a gun stashed in there that the uniform cops missed. Idiots. But we got to find the pimp house before, um, you know, Jerry runs. So they know the pickup place and it's five minutes away from there. So they're going to like, you know, do map view street things until they find the house and drive around, all of that. She recognizes a bodega. They get fudgies there. So when they bring in a ton of money, they get ice cream and they walk there. So they know it's in that neighborhood. So they're in the car now. They're all caravanning. And finally, she sees the house that um, her girlfriends are in and where she stays and this piece of shit Jerry is. Dramatic music plays and it's um, there's a Virgin Mary statue outside the house. They all go up, vest guns, knock down the door. And there's just a loser sitting there. Like, I just don't know how these disheveled losers are such criminal secret masterminds. Like, I just don't understand it. Um, he's a Jerry Garcia-looking guy, um, hippie, <laughs> like like the singer from The Doors. Like, I, he looks like a stoner. I'm very confused. But he's in a lazy boy. And the basement door is locked, so they knock it down. And he's like, you guys have a warrant? And it's like, there's 20 armed people with vests on. There's a warrant, sir. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't an accident. It's so funny. So he's under arrest and they drag his hairy chest out of there. Um, They rush the basement and their girls are lightly crying and then they gasp and... You know, the cops were like, don't worry, we're here to help you. And the girls are such good friends. They immediately are like, where's Marianne? Where's Marianne? And uh, they're like, she's okay. She's okay. So I just love that these girls are like sisterhood of the traveling pants. They really love each other. They're like, um, so then they're like, and Jerry's going to jail and we're getting you out of here. So Benson's on a cell phone hearing all the good news from Rollins. And I'm like, well, where is she? She's walking into a building. And as Mr. Duca is trying to walk out and she's like, oh, hey, I was just coming to see you. And he's like, this is harassment. And she responds, no, this is a warning. If you ever post another word about my son or Rollins' daughter, I will make it my life's mission to connect you to that sex trafficking ring that we just busted. And he says, I'm a journalist and tries to walk away and she runs and cuts him off and says, no, 
You're a fraud. You write lies. You write stories you know are false just to create hysteria. And he's like, I just put it out there. If people want to believe it, that's on them. And she goes, no, this is on you. And I want a full retraction today by end of day. And if not, I will arrest you on child pornography charges and will do everything in my power to make them stick. Do you understand me? And he nods. She says, we're clear. And he walks off. She sighs. She sighs again. So now we're back um, at work actually saving and helping victims. And CAC is helping them um, contact the family of the girls that they found and getting them social services. And hopefully they'll be home soon. Creasy asked what kind of jobs they thought they were getting. And they said nannies. Um, and she's been checking the website, she says too. And they have uh, back down on Rollins and Benson. And Finn is like, wow, you must have really scared him. And she's like, yeah, that was the idea. But Rollins is on the site and is like, yeah, but they're back on the congressman and Coral Dragon. Like, this dude is fucking nuts, Finn says. But fake news did help them find the real victims. Lucy walks in with the babies. Noah and Benson hug and uh, we're talking about Lucy's dog for a little bit. Lucy, wa mom wants to adopt them both. Benson's like, that's not happening, right, Noah? Uh-oh. Benson's phone buzzes. She stops in her tracks and we hear her ask when and says, I'm coming. So Rollins holds Jesse and goes, what? And Benson responds, the restaurant. They head to the restaurant. There's a stretcher. Benson sees Mr. Lee and is like, what happened? And he's like, the congressman, he felt bad. My business was down. So he wanted to show people it was safe to come here. And he came to lunch with his daughter um, and a photographer and a man came in with a gun and shot him because he thought his daughter was a sex slave and shot the fucking guy in front of the kids. Yeah, they really care about kids. Yeah. Mr. Lee asks if this is ever going to stop. And then we see the congressman's daughter is crying as her and Benson lock eyes as she's crouched over the bloody dead body of her father. That's Dick Wolf. Fucked up. So fucked up. And thank God, based in uh, reality, I mean, not thank God, but thank thankfully for this podcast format, um, we will be right back with uh, more, more info. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so unless you've been living under a rock or maybe if you're, we have listeners from like Australia and the UK and stuff who possibly don't know what goes on in US oh, they news. Know. They but know. If, if maybe you don't. They're more obsessed. Episode, they're more obsessed than what we do. I mean, when I was down in Australia, it was like every other person's like, so this and that and that. And I'm like, get a life. Like, don't you have your own problems? <laughs> they know. Um, well, this is based on Pizzagate, which is a conspiracy theory that did go viral during the 2016 presidential election. It is, I'll just say right up top, it's complete bullshit. Pizzagate is not real in any way. Um, it has been extensively discredited by everybody, including the Washington, D.C. police. But here's the timeline of what happened, in case you don't know everything, or Pizzagate is just like a general 
To me, Pizzagate just felt like a general craziness on the internet, but so this is exactly what happened. So in March of 2016, this guy, John Podesta, who is Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, has his personal email account hacked, okay? Cut to six months or so later, a white supremacist Twitter account, this is in October of 2016, so like a week before the election, um, which is claiming to be run by a Jewish lawyer from New York. He claims that the NYPD discovered a pedophilia ring linked to members of the Democratic Party while they were searching through Anthony Weiner's emails because I believe Anthony Weiner had his laptop stolen. This is a full lie. The NYPD never discovered that. Like, that's not, that this didn't happen. But in November, WikiLeaks publishes all of Podesta's emails uh, right before the election. And this is where we learn about Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in D.C. This is a pizza place. Maybe they have ping pong too. I'm sure our D.C. listeners will let us know. But there, there's a pizza place that's existed in D.C. for a while. It's owned by a guy named James Oliphantus, and he's a Democratic donor. He's mentioned in Podesta's emails because he was possibly going to organize a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton. And it seems like, it seems like this guy was casually friends with... Uh, John Podesta and his brother, Tony Podesta, who are like famous for having like fundraiser dinners and stuff for um, Democratic candidates and stuff. So also, I guess- Did this affect the election, you think? uh, Yeah. Well, I think that this was like, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like this guy, Alephantis, was also in a relationship previously with a guy named David Brock, who was a known Clinton ally. I don't know what that means, Clinton ally. Like, I don't know if he was involved in the campaign or just a donor or whatever. But this guy, James Alephantis, is like looked at as, you know, someone definitely on the Hillary side of things. So, what the Pizzagate conspiracy alleges is that high ranking Democratic Party officials, including Bill and Hillary, were running a human trafficking and child sex ring out of Pink Comet Ping Pong, and that it was the site of satanic ritual abuse. So it's like very similar to the satanic panic. Like everyone's just like, they're using which you kids. Love. Yes, which I love to fucking talk about. And um, they, th- there's all these claims. They claim the NYPD raided Hillary's house and that the FBI confirmed it all. None of that is true. These nut jobs are going through Podesta's emails, much like they went through the emails in the te- in the in the uh, episode of SVU, and they're look they're finding codes everywhere. Like CP stands for child pornography on the internet, which also stands for cheese pizza. When we're talking about this pizza place, dun dun, like. The amount of mental gymnastics these people do to make these conspiracies work is so wild. I, I, I'm almost like, wow, imagine if you put your mind towards something important. I bet you could do good work. Well, um, and it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it wasn't secret that Donald Trump was like pissing on Russian sex workers. You know, it's <laughs> like that was that was blatant. And in the know, it's like there is all this information about all these crimes and they don't give a shit. And they'd rather yeah. do like little decoding puzzles. Yes, Cheese exactly. pizza? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and just like in the fucking episode, like there's, you know, there were like Comet Pizza because it's Comet has like little moon, like crescent moons on the logo. And they're like, there's crescent moons on this Satan logo that they found. And it's like, yeah, there's like crescent moons on like a bunch of different logos. Like the crescent moon doesn't belong to Satan. So anyway, they like, they, but the, the misinformation got wild immediately. Like they posted this well-known picture of, of Obama playing ping pong in the White House. And we're like, this is Obama at Comet Ping Pong. And he's like in the White House playing ping pong. So it's like, so crazy. They claim that all this, this satanic child trafficking was going down in the basement of Comet, but twist, much like the episode, the restaurant had no basement. 
Pics of the basement that were posted online were of a completely different place. They also claimed that John Podesta and his brother Tony kidnapped Madeline McCann, which if you remember is a girl who disappeared from a resort in Portugal with her British parents many, many years ago and has never been found. But yes, yes, these two brothers from America went over to Portugal and kidnapped this little girl. And so, of course, like of this whole Pizzagate thing, no victims have ever come forward. There's not a shred of physical evidence that has ever surfaced. But it's spread like crazy with the alt-right fake news websites, conservative journalists, random basketball players, and also... um, People who said they were journalists, but they were really just like internet losers, like the guy in the episode, like the guy who plays Duca. He seems clearly based on Jack Probosiak, who is, you've probably seen him on Twitter because he's got a big Twitter presence, but he's a total character from the show. Like, the, I, I read this interview on Southern, Southern Law Poverty Center with the um, owner of Comet Pizza, and he was like, this guy was like an, a nobody before this. He was a total nobody journalist, like thought he was a journalist, but he was a nobody. He had no credits, quote unquote. And then he, he goes to Comet Pizza and he starts live streaming his own self-investigation and he gets kicked out because he's literally trying to live stream a kid's birthday party that's going on at the pizza place. So it's like, get the fuck out of here, you weirdo. And... um. That's kind of what launched him. So this guy, Provostiak, who's like now, he's been discredited all over the place and he's a true like whack job. The guy that um, did the interview said, quote, the incident heroized him or something. So that pissed me off, basically. Why is this guy getting money and fame off of my debacle? That's what he told the Well, not um, only that, but it's like, you're the one videotaping a child's birthday party, creep. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then later, of course, Posobiec said, oh, I always thought Pizzagate was stupid. I, I, and I only filmed my visit to debunk it. And it's like, you're the, the levels of bullshit going on. So, um, ass clowns like this guy are what helped inflate all the insanity around this. Plus, of course, social media fan the flames, 4chan, 8chan, Reddit, like everybody is pumping up this wackadoo theory. In the month of November, 2016, the Pizzagate hashtag was used a million times or more. Um, The BBC reported that Pizzagate spread to, quote, the mainstream internet just a few days before the election after some Reddit user posted an evidence document. It's obviously been deleted, but part of it said, quote, everyone associated with the business is making semi-overt, semi-tongue-in-cheek, and semi-sarcastic inferences towards sex with minors. The artists that work for and with the businesses also generate nothing but cultish imagery of disembodiment, blood, beheadings, sex, and of course, pizza. End of quote. So, you know, this is the kind of shit people are posting on Reddit and people are like, these are the facts. The Pizzagate subreddit starts, it gets closed in the end of November 2016 for doxing people. But meanwhile, it moves over to like another website that's just like Reddit for even crazier people. Um, Comet's owners and employees are the same as in the episode with Coral Dragon. They're getting majorly harassed. They're getting flooded with messages, threats. Alafantis told the New York Times, quote, from this insane fabricated conspiracy theory, we've come under constant assault. I've done nothing for days but try to clean this up and protect my staff and friends from being terrorized. Um, end quote. And then he would said that they would like, they would talk, like they would post photos that they said were from Alafontis' personal IG page that weren't. Their Yelp page got shut down because of so much. Even musical bands and artists that had performed at Comet Pizza were getting harassed. Like get, they sh- would, like they were shutting their Twitters down and but stuff because they were this, getting inundated. This pizza place seems popping. I know, I want to go. <laughs> I know, we're in D.C. Let's ping go. pong, bands, parties. Yeah. Like, get me it's, to Comet. Uh, yeah, like, uh, like, <laughs> 
big fundraisers for politicians. Um, so then it's like December of 2016, Trump's won, and the owner thinks, okay, maybe this BS will die down. No, not a chance. On December 4th, Edgar Madison Welch, age 28, from Salisbury, North Carolina, walks into Comet Ping Pong with a gun, with an AR-15-style rifle, points the gun at an employee, fires three shots, like, in the air at walls, a desk, and at a door, much like in the episode. The employee managed to escape. There's no injuries. And then he later told the police exactly the same language they used in the episode that he had planned to self-investigate, quote-unquote, this conspiracy theory. And he saw himself as a hero rescuing children. And, yeah, so that's a part of it. These are all, like, egomaniacs that think that they have the power to, like, save well, the world. Like, yeah, what? they have no power in their lives except for a gun. And so they go online and they're like, I can be the hero. I can save these kids. Like, because there's nothing going on in their lives that's, like, good, I bet. I mean, I'm speculating. I can't it's imagine anybody's, like, well-adjusted and has a great job and relationship and life and is just like, this is my day. I'm going to go to Comet Pizza and shoot into the ceiling. Because everyone is, like, so mad at true crime podcasters trying to solve crimes. And it's like, we do it pretty quietly. I don't know. Like, <laughs> these are the problems. This is the problem. Yeah. yeah. And <sighs> a lot of the top podcasts are right-wing podcasts, FYI. But... um, so this guy got, he he got much like kind of what happened in the episode. He was arrested pretty quickly, like without incident. Like they surrounded the restaurant. He was arrested. Nobody got injured. He was charged with assault with a, a deadly weapon. Um, in an interview with the New York Times, he later said he regretted how he handled the whole situation, but he didn't dismiss the conspiracy theory. And he did not like when they called it fake news. He rejected that. So... This guy gets sentenced to four years in prison in 2017 by queen and legend U.S. District Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, now a U.S. Supreme Court justice, but at the time a district judge. So she gives him four years. Um, I agree, probably not enough because you know this is going to escalate. This guy's only going to get like radicalized more in jail, but he got out already. He got out May of 2020 and we haven't heard anything from him. So maybe we got away. Yeah, maybe jail wasn't as fun as he thought. Yeah. Um, and then some conspiracy theorists speculated that the shooting, that the shooting that this guy did was a staged attempt to discredit the Pizzagate investigation. So it's like a cycle. Like there's conspiracy, there's so many layers of conspiracy on each other. Like even this guy who's part of the conspiracy, they're like, he's not part of us. He's trying to discredit us. Like it's so crazy. The thing is like, I believe in the Denver airport conspiracies. I'm not bringing a drill and trying to get to the basement. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I believe in lizard people. I'm not ripping off people's skin trying to see what's up. Like, you Jeez. believe in lizard people. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I, I believe that there's inside job 9-11 things, but right, you know what? I'm not, things, yeah. I just, I just feel like I dabble in conspiracies and still understand, like, these are sick people, right? Yeah. Like, they're, I, I just believe in lots of stuff. But yeah, totally. I, I know that might not be true. <laughs> Yeah. And this, and Pizzagate was debunked by every- Avril Lavigne's a clone. <laughs> Avril Lavigne died. So Pizzagate has been debunked though by every credible news source, including Fox News. Like it's not just, Well, that's you know, why they all ran to OAN. Yeah. This pissed them off because they don't, like, that's the whole thing. Like they trust you until you do something that they don't yeah. like even a little and then they're out. 
And like the Alex Jones talked about it on Infowars and then later he walked it back and said, oh, this guy has nothing to do with it, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, they always, they don't really ever like sort of apologize and say this whole thing was made up. They'll be like, okay, maybe this isn't the guy, but then they'll just re-shift their focus to another person and be like, there's actually these sex rings going on in this place, you know? So in January of 2019, I guess now it's at this point, it's two years later and or three years later, I guess, two years later, because it's the beginning of 2019. And a, some QAnon psycho pulls an arson attack on Comet Ping Pong, starts a fire in a back room there. Luckily, the employees extinguished it quickly. No one was injured. The guy did escape, but was arrested a few days later, climbing a fence at the Washington Monument. So this is a full psycho who had actually posted a video referencing QAnon prior to the arson because Pizzagate was like the gateway drug to QAnon. It really kicked off in 2017, like right after Pizzagate had its big moment, QAnon added the concept to Pizzagate that all of the sexual abuse is part of satanic rituals and that the abusers murder children to quote unquote harvest the adrenochrome from their blood, which is what they use as a drug or like a special potion to stay young. Like adrenochrome is apparently like a, 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 a thing that we all make when we're scared or panicked. And, you know, they think that what they do is they terrorize young children and then like drink their blood while it's pulsing with adrenochrome and that keeps them young or gets them high. Wild. It also birthed uh, Pizzagate, another conspiracy theory, which I had never heard because it's truly so unhinged, called Frazzle Drip, which has, which is also style, it's also written sometimes as frazzled.rip, which was a file that was allegedly found on Anthony Weiner's laptop, described as a quote-unquote extreme snuff film. And it was apparently, the file was hidden in a folder called Life Insurance on Weiner's stolen laptop. I do not believe in any of this, just want to preface. The video allegedly shows Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin, who is Anthony Weiner's ex-wife, who he, you know, cheated on uh, rampantly. Who's dating uh, like Bradley Cooper. Yeah, they were. They were. I don't yeah. know if they still are, but yeah, he was. She she's a beautiful woman and very smart and accomplished. So Hillary and Huma, it shows them allegedly yes, on this but tape. To go from Anthony Weiner to Bradley Cooper, that's that's a big that's step a glow up. up. That's, that's a, a huge glow step up, up for sure. <laughs> So it shows Hillary and Huma allegedly raping and murdering a young girl, drinking her adrenochrome rich blood in a satanic ritual and taking turns wearing her face as a mask. Yeah, so apparently that video is out there somewhere and it's called frazzle.rip. No one's ever seen it, but here we are. Then it turns out we all think Pizzagate's kind of over, but it has had a resurgence like in 2020 due to QAnon, but also by like idiots on TikTok, like teen morons on TikTok. They're not even right-wing people. Like they, a lot of them like support BLM and all this, but they're like, we've read the research and this is happening. And um, basically Pizzagate theory has like, kind of become less partisan and political and less about like Democrats running sex rings and more with the emphasis on like this worldwide like cabal of child traffickers, you know, like elite untouchable child traffickers. So as usual, I like to direct people to the episode of the podcast you're wrong about that's called Wayfair and Human Trafficking Statistics. It's very easy to, to digest, very eye-opening about the whole human trafficking thing. So I would like people to check and that I out. I still but, believe in the Wayfair thing. And it's not true, but I believe I respect your right to believe in but that. But I'm I not suppose. gonna <laughs> take a rifle. I'm not gonna You're not gonna blow up the right the Wayfair headquarters. No. <laughs> <laughs> um 
That would be so funny. You're like, open the credenzas. Open them. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to prove you can believe dumb shit and keep it to yourself. <laughs> and that is the, that is the fucking... That's the lesson. So that's all I have to tell you guys about Pizzagate. In case you didn't know, please, if you meet anybody that knows that that thinks Pizzagate's real, please educate them. It's uh, complete bullshit. Founded from bullshit. Uh, And... That's it. But they they really grabbed a lot of it out of the, from the episode. Like it's a lot of it's right from it. Um, and, and I feel lucky that like no one got hurt at this pizza place because that's yeah. scary. But are they still in business? Like, You know what? They had a lot of support from the community. I'll say that. They had a lot. Yeah, it's, it, it, they're still open. Pizzeria venue, live music, parties. Still cooking since 2000. The thing is, they've been around since 2006. So they're around for 10 years before this shit happened. So a lot of people in the area are like, no, this place has great pizza. Like, this is a good place. We're not, you know, this. none of this bullshit is true. And then they get like, it looks like they get cool little indie bands to come play, which is neat. I don't think there's a lot of- Should we do a live podcast at Comet Ping Pong? Oh my God. Uh, Wait, wasn't it kind of fun to like when that we sold out the DCM province so did Karen Huger? Um, I loved that the manager was in fucking yes, the fucking episode. We knew him. Yeah. I sh- yeah, we got a message him. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we have an amazing guest, so stick around and we will be right back. Our guest today, guys, I am so pumped. He is a he is an actor who has appeared in two previous SVU episodes, once as a cop, then as a rollerblading dad, moving his way up onto today's episode. He also portrayed Tom Clancy in the very, very enjoyable film, Can You Ever Forgive Me?, which I loved. And most famously, he is a friend of mine who I met through the improv scene in New York. We've kept in touch for over a decade. I love him. And you know him today as the despicable uh, pedophile Ronald Fleming, <laughs> guys. Please enjoy our chat with the very talented Kevin Carolyn. All right. All right. Kevin. Okay. Yes. So I'm just going to intro- like I'm just going to say for the listeners because we are old friends. We took a UCB class together a million years ago. We have crossed paths many times over the years. You've been on Broadway forever. I remember I came to Broadway one time when you were in Newsies to borrow your Costco card. Do you remember that? <laughs> Like nobody had a Costco card and you, I put it on Facebook and you were like, I have one. You were like, come down to the stage door and I'll give you my Costco card. And I did that. I'm so pleased. But like we've hung out in many different cities. Most recently you were in Madison when Lisa and I were performing a live show in Madison. We got to hang out, talk to you about all your SVU stories because you've been on the show three times. And we were like, why aren't you, why don't we just get you on the podcast? And so here we are. I mean, which episode do we start with? I don't even know. It's uh, Well, it's you started cool. you started off, you I remember you told us you had like you you were like just a beat cop or something. Like you were just a uniform cop on one episode, like your first episode of SVU. That's correct. But I think you said you had like a moment with Marishka or something. That moment in in that episode that I originally had was cut. They, I believe, I, I don't even know if we actually even filmed it. My sides that day were, were something along the lines of saying, um, the, the victim's dead and uh, the woman, uh, the wife is at the hospital. Um, and Mariska says, is she dead? And I say, no, just raped. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, then, and then she looked at me askance and says, just 
And then I came up with some line like, I, they're, they're all over there or something. And then, <laughs> then, that was, then I'm out of there. But I, I believe, I'm pretty sure we did a read-through of that scene. And then we went away for a little bit. And then when we came back, there was a, a script supervisor that said, yeah, we're actually going to get rid of this line and this line. And like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Got it, got it, got it. And then we have already covered your other episode, Zebras, which is one of the all-time craziest episodes of the show. You are famously the rollerblader who is rollerblading with their daughter and rollerblades into bushes where they find a dead body, which is Lisa and I... A, a dream, dream, a dream, a dream roll for Lisa. Well, we when we talked about it, we were like, we wouldn't really like to be rollerblading uphill or anything, but, you know. Are you a good rollerblader? Were you nervous about going into that? Fun fact, they asked me if I rollerbladed uh, when I auditioned, and I told them, of course I did. And then I booked <laughs> the job and took my family out rollerblading because I <laughs> hadn't been on a pair of rollerblades. And as it turned out, uh, for safety reasons, I did have a stunt double. So the actual vault into the bushes is my stunt double. And then I'm in the bushes and they they and they bring me out of the bushes. But it's definitely you rolling down the hill because we see your face when you're like, ah! It is, you, know? you see me, I roll down and, and the camera is in front and they literally had my stunt team catch me. <laughs> because I, I don't think I could have broken. It was like, maybe can you get to the grass? I'm like, I can try and get to the grass, but... <laughs> And they just like grabbed me and slowed me down. It was like three people stopping my momentum. It's beautiful. Wow. Oh my God. And what God. is the blood made out of? You fell in some uh, dead woman's blood. I, I fell in some dead woman's blood. I did not get a taste, so I couldn't tell you what it what it was like, but I'm guessing it was uh, something along the caro syrup variety. Yes. Well, when I made my own blood to play Elizabeth Holmes for Halloween, I mean, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, made, I made it out of caro syrup. So, yeah. There you go. That makes sense. I, and, which is interesting now that I realize that I have had uh, blood on two of my three SVU appearances because my yes. Ronald Fleming character has uh, had an attempted suicide with a with a gun. Yeah. Yes. And you couldn't— And it you slipped. Didn't, I, I don't know what, what yeah. the hell— you're a pedophile buffoon. Yeah. Yeah. I knew we, something really, was up when you were like, I got to go get another drink. I was like, he's up to something. I thought you were going to make a run for it, but you tried to just um, end it all. I tried to end it all. Uh, with I can't iced tea. Even, I know. I can't even do that right. What was it like with iced tea? I loved the time with iced tea. Iced tea was really fun because I had two different scenes with them. I had the first scene, the establishing scene where I was busy working while they're interviewing me and I couldn't give them yeah, that yeah. much time to stop what I was doing in my job. Classic law and order. Classic. <laughs> and then you had your other scenes with him where now we know that you're this like bad guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm, I'm being used as essentially, uh, you know, a, a, a bait to try and get somebody a, a bigger fish, you know, um, and uh, I realize how how much of a pawn I am, and all I want to do is is drink and then and then uh, presumably end my life. But in the meantime, I I ask uh, Ice, why do I even have to be here? Which he answers with a curt, "Shut up." <laughs> so I got that going for me. So he was awesome, though, like off, like so sweet. Oh yeah, it was a. It was really. It was. It was nice. I actually. I. I um. I have a, a photo of like a candid photo of the two of us with like me with like the blood on my hair and just like posing for <laughs> a selfie that he was happy to do. Mariska was also sweet and posed for a selfie as well. I, I'm always amazed at, at you know because when we're guests, we 
effectively have to hit the ground running, you know, because we're guests in their house and, and, and you want to make sure that you're hitting your mark. You're saying your lines. You don't have to do a scene more than you have to and that you got everything down. But it's amazing that they're, they have the same issues with given these pages and how much time they have to devote to learning these lines. And it, it, not every, uh, not every proper noun of a restaurant or anything like that falls trippingly off the tongue. And I know that, <laughs> I know that we did a couple takes of ice, you know, being, I, it was like sex slaves at the coral dragon was, I yeah. believe, the line. And, Coral dragon is is like rural juror from Thirty Rock. It's just <laughs> coral dragon. <laughs> so, but uh, but we got it. But I just I I just love the take that they use because I know that there's just this one baby hitch right before he says coral dragon, where I'm like, yeah, that's he's making sure that coral <laughs> dragon comes out right there the right way. And how does it feel playing, um, you know, a pedophile? <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I I I, I think. <laughs> Um, I, I think it was one of the first times that I was really able to let go in the audition room as far as being upset and weepy. And I just think I, I put forth that right amount of pathetic. And uh, I think that's what they were looking for. So that was, uh, yeah. that was nice to be able to, to ride with that. And I, I hope to use that that tool in my actor toolbox to book me many more pathetic crying. I roles. hope you get many more pathetic <laughs> roles in the future, Kevin. I really do. Even the sweater was like a pathetic man's sweater, you know, like green heavy <laughs> knit. Like it was a silly sweater too. I felt bad for your um, never seen wife and children. I was like, oh man, they're going to find out their dad's a pedophile, their their husband's a pedophile. This is not going to be, this is not going to be a great day for them. No, it's not. Um, and, 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 I, and I'm the guy who actually feels like I got off easy because I'm I'm getting a break because I'm helping them out. Yeah, because you're like, I was just watching. You like weren't, I don't know, you acted like you weren't going to do anything or whatever, yeah, but. Yeah, I can't help myself because yeah. I believe the blubbering Ronald Fleming yes. says. And you've been on Original Recipe and Criminal Intent, which is the New York actor trifecta. So it that's. Is- it is Exciting. true. I've I, I've gotten to do yeah original uh, original recipe uh, SVU criminal intent um, and uh, my very first non union job as an actor out of gra- out of undergrad was as a cameraman on season two episode one I think where George Zunza's character is killed. It's the funeral of the the first uh, cop that's uh, from the first season of regular SVU. Oh, of regular Law and Order? Yeah, of Law and Order. Excuse me, Law and Order. Damn. And, yeah, and uh, it was like, uh, it was a massive outside of a church thing, and I had to hold a camera for many hours, and it did not have its guts oh. taken out, so it was very heavy, and it didn't matter because I was non-union, so nobody cared. Let's say there's an emergency. Which set of detectives do you want showing up in terms of original recipe, SVU, or criminal intent? Oh gosh, I mean, if it's it, it depends on if it's the group of detectives because my detectives were Jeremy Sisto and Anthony Anderson. But if I could go with Jerry Orbach and, and right. Jesse Martin, that that might be the team that I'd want to show up. Yeah, they are. I would say that's a great team too. Yeah. Aside from our obviously the ones we like, of course. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, I, yeah. honestly, no. But I mean, to be to be fair. I, I also would be very happy with Belzer if if uh, if that ever yeah. came to pass. I think I would have had a good time just because, just in having watched 
Belzer's comedy for so many years. And uh, I just would have liked to have been on a set and just talk about like, you know, the, you know, uh, any of the the clubs that he was working with and who he came up with at the time. I mean, he's part of that, like, you know, OG, you know, Leno and Letterman and, you know, big, big stand up pedigree. Did you do theater in high school? I did. I, I actually chose the high school that I went to because it, it had like an actual, not really a program, but it just seemed like it had more of a of a performing arts lean than the other schools that kind of just, you know, cast us off because they had a little extra money in the budget that they didn't spend on mm. sports, you know. What yeah. were what were your big roles in high school that you were really oh, jazzed well, about? Uh, I I love Godspell. You know, that's that was a, my first musical. That was a, a lot of fun. Um, and uh, gosh, uh, cheaper by the dozen, which was uh, like a. It was like the kind of like the Steve Martin, you know. But it was the original story, which is a true story based of a family in Montclair, New Jersey, that raised twelve kids. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was a true story, but I love that it, Steve Martin one. It's a lot of uh, yeah, right? Because they made did they did they do more than one of those or did they just do that yeah. one? They did like cheaper by the dozen and a half. They did a they cheaper by the baker's dozen, maybe a sequel. Yeah, yeah. cheaper they by the went, baker's dozen. Um, they went to summer camp and they have like rivals at the camp. I think there's ah, a yes, camp element, so you would. Classic, love it's, a, it's a classic, classic sequel rebranding. That's perfect. <laughs> um, and then I think senior year, I got to do Kaufman and Hart's. You can't take it with you. So uh, it was it was a, a banner and oh god, Little Mary Sunshine was another musical that I, I don't even know if and I don't even know how many people would even know that show. I didn't know it when I did it, but you know, a couple shows, a couple plays, but it was enough to to keep me going and wanted to keep doing it in in college and undergrad. Yeah, and when you did Newsies, you must have been one of the people we like to check out that have like SVU and Law and Order all over their little bio in the playbill because we that, love yes. like checking out who was in what and yours must have been like. Criminal Intent, SVU, regular. I really think that in one of my bios, I actually called Law & Order uh, Original Recipe in the bio. (laughs) I've called it that forever. I wonder if I learned it from you. (laughs) I've always called it that. Yeah, they all call it Mothership, but I think Original Recipe is so much more fun. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of actors call it the Mothership, yeah. Do you watch the things you're in? I usually do because I usually wind up you know, calling them and, and pulling them to put on a website or something like that. And I'm always interested to see. And if I can, if I can watch from Video Village while, you know, if they're doing any playback, I, I'll always try and look. I'm yeah. I'm always interested to know exactly where I'm at. I mean, like, or, or I, I can see where camera is, but I, I'm really, really curious to know how tight it is on me or, you know, where it's going. I, I it, it just helps me get a sense of it. And as far as finished product goes, I want to see what it looks like or what gets, or if it gets, or if the scene gets shaved for time or anything like that stuff that I got going. Yeah. Yeah. Any other little like tidbits that you remember from the longer episode that you did? Like any little uh, things that our listeners will be into because they love the SVU goss, the set goss. I know. I know. I'm trying to think. It was, it was so pretty much straightforward that I, I don't even remember. I mean, I guess that was the nicest thing I could say about it is that everything was pretty much on yeah. point. There was no extra special delays. I, there was there was more of a delay, I think, on that very first SVU that I did years ago because there was an upcoming writer's strike happening. And oh, I right. remembered I remembered that Mariska and Chris were both 
shooting scenes. They were working them way, way overtime because they were trying to get as many scene, many shows in the can before the writer's strike happened. So wow. they were in good uh, spirits for the most part, but they were both exhausted because they'd been going all morning and it was pretty late at night when we were there doing this. And I, I think they may have had one more scene to do after we were done. Damn. Yeah, I just remember it being like, that's a long day and... They, they were they were cool and they didn't have to be based on that kind of a long day. I mean, they were like, you know, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm sorry. It sucks that they're doing it this way, that, that they're allowed to keep churning us in there so that they can get this done before the strike happens. Right. But, it's like now the actors have to strike, you know. <laughs> now we got to do a SAG after strike. Um, and one of our classic questions is, what are your go-to craft service snacks? What are you putting oh. in your backpack before you leave? Okay. Really good. Really good. <laughs> There's going to be two that are that come to mind immediately. On the sweet side, you've got the Rice Krispie treats. Yes, hell yeah. And uh, I, this this may be a curveball. I don't know how often I see it, but it could be it could be whatever. Uh, I, I'm a brand guy, and my brand is the Lance Corporation Toast Chi. It's the peanut butter sandwich cracker. Uh, it's like the the cheddar cracker with the the peanut butter. Oh, okay. Um, there's lots of Munchies makes them. There's also a uh, uh, Keebler's makes the, a brand. But you but like the one brand. Lance, the Lance Toast Chi. That's pretty much where it's at. <laughs> All right. That's a, I love that you had a good specific answer and it was ready. I love it. It came that. fast. It came fast without yeah. even thinking. But I would, in, I would endorse. Well, because. We do get um, some actresses that are like, I like to chew ice. And we're like, great. Yeah. Or like, I really try Fulfilling. to stay away. So maybe some fruit. And it's like, I get it. You do have to like maintain a figure for this business. But come on. No. Honorable mention goes to any donut that looks like it was picked up from a local bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Like a cinnamon I also sugar. Love, I love when they try to give you a pick me up at like four in the afternoon and make some kind of like hot thing, like quesadillas or something that they pass around. And they're like, you guys are feeling good. We're going to be here for another 10 hours. <laughs> Want some hot food? Well, sometimes the stuff's so aggressive. I'm like, oh, an ice cream waffle sandwich? I don't know if anyone <laughs> needs this right now. Nobody needs that. <laughs> like, That's not helping anybody run on all cylinders. <laughs> yeah, the cookie ice cream sandwiches are outside. I'm like, I don't... I, I, don't, just I was shocked that I could that I could eat as as heavy as I could, knowing that I would have to go back to set. <laughs> yeah, because free food's exciting. Free food and and good lord, breakfast. If I have that's an early nice. call, that's the one. I mean, yeah. any kind of, and, and I'm gonna get like a full on breakfast with crispy bacon and egg and omelet, and it's like six thirty in the morning. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, in yeah, my little yeah. honey wagon that is just a beautiful place to be with a couple of walls. I always like the fact that that the the nicest trailer I've ever had is the one that I spend almost no time in because I was always on set. It was a place to change clothes. I think it was the Ronald Fleming one. I think I had a beautiful like I had a separate room and I was there for like no time. Oh at man, that's crazy because I feel like being on set is so much sitting around and waiting. And the little parts I've ever gotten, I'm in one of those little rooms that's just basically like, it's the same as like an airport toilet with no toilet in it. It's just like a place to hang your bag and jacket. <laughs> Except with the one feature is that you may have an AM, FM radio that in there that you can dial. 
Yeah, just like a bench to sit on. But that's what made me move to LA. I, I booked um, one pilot that didn't go anywhere. And it was just like, everyone was so nice and giving me breakfast. And I was like, this is the life. Like, this is <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take a veggie omelet. And like, everyone was just so kind. I, I would take fruit snacks. That's my thing. But that was truly the moment where I go, oh, I got to get to LA. I want someone <laughs> to give me breakfast and compliment me. That is a good, that is a good life goal is free breakfast in LA. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. Breakfast compliments. That's what I'm in it for. Uh, you know, I'm listen, listen, the time on set is that's just gravy. I'm there for the breakfast. Yeah, really? <laughs> yes. The acting is like whatever. I, I'm really in it for the trail mix. Well, that's it's like the thing. little moments I always like, like when, if there's like a parking spot or like the gate, like they're, uh, they're little teeny moments I feel are Where special. you feel like a VIP? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's the VIP of it all. You know what it is? And for me, uh, and it's not even on set. It was it was uh, top of show credit for me. It was that 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 meant something to me that I was like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm somebody special now. I am somebody. You're the you're the, you're the fucking pedophile. You're the guy. It's like <laughs> incredible. Kevin, this Thank was you. a joy. I'm so happy that we I'm so happy we got you. I'm so happy that you and I are still in touch after all these years. And I'm thrilled. I hope that our tours cross paths in the new year again. Hey, that would be amazing. We do have one more minute. You know what I really love talking to you about in Madison was Go. we're hotel life. So it's like fun to talk to other people that are always in hotels and traveling in the nitty gritty details. And like, I just, I liked that connection we had in Madison. So I just wanted <laughs> to throw that out there. I think that's a great thing. I, I actually am one of the people who kind of enjoy trying the different shampoos and conditioners and really don't travel <laughs> with a lot of my own. Uh, and if it's if you if you give me the one where it's bolted to the to the shower, I mean, I'll I'll have a container. I'll take what I want with me. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a hack. You got your own to go boxes. You're doing to go. You to go. I love That's, it. That is a hack. That I'm. It's, I it like. is, but I mean, your your arm might get tired from just squirting and squirting and squirting for about <laughs> half an hour, but it can be done. <laughs> All right. Oh my God, Kevin! Thank, thank you. you so much. Kevin, that was fun. <laughs> I'm so excited we got to have him on. He's the best. Um, well, it's nice to talk to someone that this experience meant so much to him and you can sense that through his stories and the way he talks about it. And it's like, nice to talk to someone that would react the way one of us could react. You know yeah. what I mean? Like very pumped yeah. and remembering the details and enjoying it, but being respectful. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this episode, our postmortem, everybody in queue is a fucking freak. I don't know what to say. I I don't know how this, I, I know I do know how, but like, <laughs> like all the fake news that rolled it, like Pizzagate that rolled into QAnon, it's going to roll into something even more horrific soon. You know what? Like deep fakes really freak me out. Like how you could just make a video of somebody saying or doing fucking anything and it looks so real. Like, I don't know. We just all have to really be sure that we're getting our information from the right places. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, but all that's done, because even the places that are like certified and respected and the sources that we even use that are credible still lean a certain, like people are always mad at the New York Times. You know what I mean? Yes. Like people are always mad at the Times, yet it is a source that is journalism. So even right. the places that are good are not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, like the New York Times, I feel like they just gave like, they're always trying to do this both side shit and they like just gave 
like, what's a Kellyanne Conway, like a, a platform to tell everybody that Trump, anyone that doesn't like Trump is a loser. I mean, like, why are we giving these people an outlet? But here we are. Well, yeah, it's um, always like, how do these white Christian Republicans feel? It's like, we actually yeah. know how they feel. Why don't you do this for any other minority ever? Like, you know who doesn't get listened to? Minorities in this country. Yeah. How about that? And it's we know, also, we know how the Hicks feel. Yeah. It's also like, be very wary of the information that you're getting right around an election. I mean, this Pizzagate shit happened four or five days before the election. It's like, and it probably totally swayed people. If people like are easily swayable that like Hillary Clinton was some kind of pedophile and then we ended up with Trump. Like, so just speak here. When you're hearing wild shit that sounds too wild to be true, A, it probably is, and B, check the date. Is there an is there a national election in five days? Just it could but be also, it could be Russia. Like <laughs> if there's not even one other source that's saying the same thing, your source sucks. Like yeah, but you know the thing I mean? is, is that all the sources care. are saying the same thing. They're just all crazy sources. Like, all these people are like, I've done the research. I've read it. And it's like, you've read 10 websites that, like, end in .biz. Like, you are, like, you have wild sources, you know? My dad, like, well, I don't know if I, my dad was, <laughs> my God, I don't know what he listens to. Maybe he's just, like, <laughs> dementia vibes. But he definitely said that Elon Musk bought Twitter from Joe Biden's son. And it was like, <laughs> that's just not true. Like, by, like he didn't own Twitter. It's this other guy named Jack. We all know who it is. <laughs> but my dad's also so foreign. So I don't know. I, I just don't know. But I'm always like, just pops. It's uh, that, No, it's if anything, true. if anything, Elon Musk is trying to expose Joe Biden's son for whatever <sighs> shit they think he's done. Yeah. It's, um, anyway. it's silly as fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's insane. Um, And this does... This does go perfectly right into our What Would Sister Peg Do? Oh, great. Uh, yeah, which is our, you know, guys, know hopefully if it's your first episode, What Would Sister Peg Do? is our weekly segment where we give you guys a article, blog post, uh, charity, some kind of organization, even a podcast episode, something to help you get more info about what we talked about today. And I just wanted to point out this article today that was written for USC News called How Americans Can Help Stop Fake News. Um and it's a really fascinating article that outlines how media companies can fight against the spread of fake news. And you also, as a consumer of media, um, can be more proactive in rereading and researching something before sharing it with others because ultimately we are the ones spreading, spreading fake news. Like it's not really bots because people aren't, don't follow bots. So the article is written by Emily uh, Gersima, Gersima. I'm sorry if I'm saying it incorrectly. And um, you can find the link to it in our show notes as well as all of our What Would Sister Peg Do's of all time are saved in a WWSPD story highlight on our Instagram. Thank you so much. Um, and next week we'll be doing Shaken, season five, episode 10. It sounds like a dance, but it is way more sad than that. Um, and also, uh, you know, rate, give us some stars. You know, the Taylor Swift fans did make a dent. Um, <laughs> and none of that matters, just that you guys love us and our show, but... Yeah, Listen. if you haven't gotten a chance, <laughs> throw us a few stars. We'd love it. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Any yeah, last of words, course. Lisa? Oh, okay. Um, I, I hope you had a great Martha Luther King Day. Tell the people. <laughs> I bet so many people I bet shut off at this point, but I know, there is a funny done. story. Rosie did tell Jared how she learned about Martha Luther King at school and that he wanted everybody to have the same skin color. 
So at three years old, I don't think she fully grasps the work of Martin Luther King, but we're getting there. I did try <laughs> to explain to her where she was a little bit off and I think she's getting it. Um, but <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmessedappod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstar, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.